0: Welcome to Black Writer Therapy, a podcast where Black women writers are invited to sit on the proverbial couch, have a cup of tea, and share the stories behind the stories and what it really takes to write books about Black women in an industry that still prefers white as the default. I'm your host, Published author and unlicensed therapist Alishan. Black writer therapy is now in session. Session. Suzette D. Harrison, an award-winning author, wife, and mother, who also holds a culinary degree in pastry and baking, is on the Black writer therapy couch. She and Ella discuss their love of happy endings, but why Harrison prefers to pen flawed characters in need of redemption. Harrison admits she loves crafting storylines with more twists than the 405. Ella finds out why she is so able to live as an unapologetic black woman writer. Hi, hi,
1: Suzette D. Harrison. How are you doing? Good morning, Miss Ella. I am wonderful and loving this opportunity to sit with you. Good morning from California.
0: I'm sorry. Look, let me apologize. Cause I know you guys are like three hours behind correct okay so it's like eight something where oh
1: no apologies necessary
0: are you an early riser
1: i am by nature now okay before i had children don't bother me let me sleep as long as possible now i am okay
0: (laughs) children i don't care i still want to sleep as late as possible but they don't let you so exactly you're right you don't really have a choice you don't have a choice um I'm so excited to get into this chat with you this morning, but before we do that, I have to ask, how are you healing?
1: Mm, what a fantastic question. I really started a um, self-journey of healing, I would say, slightly before COVID, actually, and COVID just kind of ramped it up, but was maybe uh-huh. so before COVID, and I just kind of um, had a crisis in, in and of myself in a personal area, and that forced me and pushed me. Into healing. So one of the ways that I started my healing was reaching out to a life coach and actually, you know, talking with a life coach on a a weekly basis and her story helped. She had gone through something similar and she was greatly at a great um, pool by which I was able to kind of step into a place of healing. And, you know, what's interesting is before this crisis happened, I just felt like I need, there's something here I can't reach. There's something Mm -hmm. in me to get to. And I wasn't able to. And that crisis kind of blew it up where there was no you know, there was no more rock to dig through. It was open and exposed, you know. So that was one of the ways that I started healing. And then I actually started, a, I took a course with our Reverend Queen Mother, Dr. Iyanla Van Zant, and I took one of her online courses and hun, yes, exactly. Look <laughs> yeah. at me, What? Yes. She was online. She was offering a course, and I took a course, um, a spiritual warrior course, and that had that pushed me deep into that healing as well. And I've been following her ever since. So those are some of the ways through med- excuse me, meditation, early morning prayer, blessing my head every morning, doing a head ritual. Those are some of the ways by which I am healing. Of course, scripture and prayer, all those things. The ancestors welcome. Yes.
0: No, you are speaking my language, Miss. Harrison. you're oh my gosh, you're speaking Suzette, my language. please Suzette, please. I, I know. look Southern girl <laughs>
1: yes, and I appreciate
0: Southern that. girl, okay. <laughs> uh, wow. I love that. I love that you realized, or well, I don't know if you realized it, but I know a lot of women when we get to this certain point in our lives where it's like the bedrock is is kind of cracking, and then it you know something happens, and it's usually something small and just a little small thing, and it shatters all of the bedrock. I don't know if most women are in the place in their in their mental state where they can say, oh, finally, it's broken. Now I can sift through all those pieces and see what I want to keep to use as a foundation to rebuild. And then I can see the pieces that haven't served me and I can discard them. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a matter of, oh my God, I'm broken, I'm destroyed, I'm in pieces. And now what am I supposed to do? Like, what was it for you? Was it the, oh, good, that's broken. Now I can figure out where to go or, oh, what am I supposed to do with this rubble of me?
1: No, it was a it was a blessing in disguise, actually. And not only did I get a life coach, I started first with a, a counselor, with a therapist, actually, mm-hmm. and then went to the life coach, segued into that. But no, it was something that was so needed and necessary and actually wanted. I would not have wanted the circumstance, but mm-hmm. as I said, previously, it was just like, something was in me. It's like, I've got to get down to the bottom. Something's not free in me. And I did, of course I would not have chosen that experience, but you know, the almighty is the almighty and the divine. And the one thing that I learned is like, my mother says, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So (laughs) I learned that, you know, it didn't destroy me. It destroyed some things in me, but of necessity and helped me to get down to a purer place. Girl, stop! Don't do this to me this early in the
0: morning. <laughs> oh my word! Okay, mm-hmm.
1: wait. Wooza.
0: you up here? <laughs> okay, wait. Okay. Oh my. Okay.
1: Yeah, right. and sometimes we have to break the rock, you know. We're um, and I think too part of the issue is that you know we have this misconception of. The strong Black woman ethos and the capes that we're wearing, those capes are not to our benefit. Those capes are dismantling us and weakening us and destroying us. We're hard. We're brittle. You know, we're Mm -hmm. toxic in a lot of our ways. And ain't nobody going to get nothing over on me. And we're just so defiant and militant. And it's okay, sisters, for us to be soft and to be gentle and to be tender. And it's okay to have that breakdown because you're going to build yourself back up. But let yourself break. Exactly. So you- mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Um, what I say to you, you know, circumstances, it never comes in a circumstance that feels like it's the right thing, right? It's always Correct. through some circumstance that is like your whole life is blown mm-hmm. to pieces. Mm-hmm. And I remember when when that happened for me. And I look back on it now and I'm like, honestly, that's the best thing that could ever have happened to me. Not that I enjoyed enduring any of it, Mm -hmm. but what I enjoy right now is looking back where I was and seeing where I am and say, oh, wait, I I was not even half of a person Mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even half of Mm -hmm. a thing. I was just Nothing really. I was just kind of here, a shell, going through life, pretending that I was great and everything was, you know, wonderful. But I look at myself now, and I'm like, I own all the parts of me, the parts that are, you know, mired in darkness and enjoys playing in in the muck and the mire, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. all the parts of me that are like to shine through because of the darkness that I've embraced within myself, and that is such a like freedom. That yes, I can be soft. I can be gentle. I can be kind to myself, kind to others, unapologetically. And I can be me. Like, just, hey, this is Ella. This is what you get. If you don't like it, then I'm not for you. And that's okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know? So yes. thank you so much for sharing that. Like, honestly, I wish people would ask folk that more often. Like, how are you healing? Mm-hmm. I Don't ask me how I'm feeling. I don't know how I feel um, until I write yeah, I it down.
1: Correct. Understood. Excuse me. I have a halo. It ain't natural. It's the sun coming through. Pardon me. I'm going to lower my blinds a little. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Pardon me. Did you say I have a halo? It's not natural. (laughs) Look, I don't want folks to be thinking I'm ethereal.
0: Look, I was I was going to be like leaving it there, girl, because you are glowing. (laughs) you're shining. Oh my goodness. So you know that I am not a licensed therapist, right? So I don't pretend to be a licensed therapist. Although I taught 13 years of high school and all my students thought I was their counselor, I'm not a licensed therapist. But I I asked the question in the intake form, if I were a licensed therapist and I did offer Black writer therapy services, what would bring Suzette D. Harrison to my office saying, girl, I need a session as a black woman writer dealing with the, the industry. And all that goes into that machine. What would bring you to my therapy session?
1: You know, I'm gonna start with something as simple as language. And what I mean by that is my uh, last three books were published by a publisher in London, England, in Britain, you know, Brit- British publisher. So there's a language difference. You you know, we're both speaking English, but still there's a language (laughs) difference, cultural difference. And so I would encounter things like in the editing process. Did you really mean to say this? This is not grammatically correct. And da, 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 da. So I found myself having to educate and school Mm -hmm. my editors, the copy editors that know I'm not stupid. I know this is a dangling participle, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yes, I know this verb does not belong here. You know what I'm saying? And to educate that this language is intentional. I'm representing me. I'm representing not just me. I'm representing, I'm writing, excuse me, African-American culture. I'm writing African-American culture in the South. I'm Mm -hmm. writing African-American culture in the South in 1955.
0: Exactly. So we're going to
1: have some dialect and we're going to have some differences. But that simple thing was so frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. I knew it was an opportunity to share, to enlighten, to educate, but it was very frustrating too. And not to say that I would not have encountered that if it was a U.S.-based publisher because I still would have, because the dominant is still their gaze on my writing. And I'm having to say, yes, I really did mean to see we, I did mean and intend to say, we ain't fixing about to go down there. I didn't mean that intentionally. That was not an error or an Right, idea. right. So it's those little things. It's not always the big things, but the little things where you find that you're, you're other, mm. you're language is other your characters are other and mm-hmm. you have to fight for it thankfully I have such a wonderful editor that I remember one statement she made to me that I knew that I could work with her she said I will defer to you as a black woman I'm not a black woman I'm not a black American woman I'm going to defer to you and that gave me such freedom Ella to write yes yes absolutely but that. That's one of the things that would have brought me to come sit on your couch and lay back, girl. I'm sick and tired of trying to explain to these folks that I'm writing intentionally on purpose. And I'm educated enough to know that's a dangling participle.
0: And you know what? You wouldn't be the only one laid out on my couch because I would probably be laid out on the couch with you. And I absolutely love that you said I am writing intentionally Mm -hmm. on purpose. Purpose. That is segment one. Right? Intentional writing. But the medical definition of intentions is the healing process of a wound. And I said to myself, Ella, Ooh. that word doesn't mean anything else from here on out. Intentions, intentionality, intentional, it's all about the healing process yes. of the wounds. Um. And I was like, so when you say I'm writing intentionally and on purpose, yeah. We are. We are writing to heal wounds that Mm -hmm. afflict Black womanhood, and we know the language to use for that. We know how to get down in there and speak to the, not the otherness, because I hate thinking about us as other, but Mm -hmm. to get down into the truth of us Mm -hmm. that we are not allowed to acknowledge or even accept, I think, or explore. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the better word. Not we don't give ourselves permission to acknowledge and explore that truth of who mm-hmm. we are. So I love that you say, I know what I'm talking about. I'm educated. I realize <laughs> this is that and the third. Right. But I have to yeah. ask you, you grew up in California. Yes, ma'am. How are you writing these Southern pieces <laughs> of fiction so well? I'm just like, girl, you sure you're not from South Carolina? You have family right. here. What's up?
1: So I'm third generation, California, my on my mother's side, my grandmother, my mother, myself, California, my father was born in Mobile, Alabama. Have I ever been there? Nope. That's a whole other story there, you know, separation of from my paternal family. But I've learned something through writing. It's like you can move, you can migrate, but your history, your if you're open. Your history goes, well, regardless if you're open or not, your history goes with you. Your roots go with you. But if you're open, you can tap back into that place that you came from. You can tap back into your origins. And I'm very open when I open myself to spirit, I open myself to my ancestors before I write. Now, listen, I'm going to preface all this with, yes, I am saved, born again, spirit-filled Christian, but honey, yes, and still, I believe in the, not the ancestor veneration, the reverence, the reverence of where I come Mm -hmm. from, people that went before me and ahead of me. And I, I guess in some ways I'm an old soul and I'm, earned that and gained that from watching my mother, even at a young age, how she loved being around the elders in the church and, you know, around the, and I kind of was like that. I like to sit and listen, child with big ears, little picture, big yes. ears. Yeah. So to yes. answer, you know, that's part of my answer to the question, but I I have a love for the place that I've never been.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I never even met my, and you saw that probably in the. um, dedication of taffy never even met my paternal grandmother who was back in the south and I always had a longing to Mm -hmm. know her longing to meet her so this allows me this is a way to satisfy my longing by writing my southern stories and they're mine they're my southern stories you know and my people migrated again they didn't leave the south they it came with them and their Uh experiences, and their language, and their blood, and the cooking, and the way our culture was, it came with them. I remember one time um, in college, I went to college a little later, at the university, I should say, later, um, after I had been married, and I remember there was a group of uh, freshmen that were touring, you know, potential prospective freshmen that were touring, so there were high school students at the time, excuse me, and they were from the South, And Mm -hmm. I I was like one of the hosts or, you know, guide tour guides or whatever. And these young ladies, they asked me multiple times, Miss Ella, you're sure you're not from the South? And I was like, no, why? They kept asking me, Miss Suzette, are you from the South? No, I'm not. I'm from California. You sure? This went on and on. They were like, we were like fighting almost. I'm like, no, I'm not from Mm -hmm. the South. But I also felt that as such an honor that there was something in me that they saw that resonated home.
0: And it does. It it really does. Like, I'm, you know, just looking at you, talking with you. Like, you could be Cousin Suzette. Like, you might be my cousin Suzette. We don't know. We right. don't know. No, because there is something innately Southern about you. But I find, mm-hmm. as a Southerner, that when I travel around the country and I meet, you know, random Black folk, there's something innately Southern about all of us. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I'm sure you know, it has a lot to do that we we came in, like most of us came in through the ports of Charleston mm-hmm. and and then, you know, dispersed mm-hmm. or whatever. But there's just, um, I don't know, when people ask me about being Southern, I used to be ashamed of it. I used to be like, oh, I can't believe, you know, I'm down here in the South, a Black girl, Black woman, living on the same land my people were enslaved on, mm-hmm. going to school with the ancestors, you know, with the the people yeah. whose ancestors enslaved my folk, and I'm expected to be like, what? You know, and it took me a long time to reconcile the fact that I actually am very proud to be a Southern black woman because I know I carry with me the hopes and and the dreams and and disappointments, even of the mm-hmm. almost, right? the the idea of the almost. We almost got this. We're almost there. So I think that's why I love your writing so much because you celebrate Southern. Heritage and being—I don't know—just this just kind of, yeah. They it was an oppressive situation, but then look at what we were able to do. Look at what we're doing right now, even mm-hmm. in spite of these systems still being in place. They just pretty them up and and put some <laughs> different clothes on them, but right. these systems are still very prevalent. And still, mm-hmm. look at us. Look mm-hmm. at us shining, and it's just the your phraseology, the way you, you okay, I told you I was going to fangirl, so here we go. Uh-huh. The, the, the phraseology, and it's lyrical, and, and and I'm like, I feel like I'm dancing with your words, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm dancing with your characters, and I have a crush on Rome Ellis, like, oh my God, oh my God. Make it two Ooh, of us. <laughs> girl, hunty, hunty. Uh-huh. That makes two of us. You were wrong on every level. (laughs) When I tell you I have a thing for redheads.
1: Oh, watch (laughs) out
0: now. I said, if I ever found me a brown man with some red hair and freckles, that was it.
1: That was it. It was over, all done. And
0: you made Rome. You made him. So we're going to switch gears because I also asked in the intake form, what book? that you've written and published to date was the most cathartic for yeah. you because Black Writer Therapy, I don't, it's not about this, you know, this podcast isn't about just, hey, let's talk about your newest book. Hey, let's talk about every, no, I want. I want to know how Black women are able to write and heal themselves and write and heal others and still be like, okay, in the process of living as a Black woman and a Black woman writer, because I don't know that, Consideration is given to the mental toll and the mm. spiritual toll it takes to tell these stories that aren't always pretty
1: exactly
0: and to to kind of you know be the conduit for that situation. so the book that you 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 said was your kind of it had to be Taffy, and I thought about it. I hadn't read Taffy yet. I just finished reading my um my name is ona mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I'm, I'm just, we'll have you come back. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. You. Okay. Anyway, let me move on. Fangirling. <laughs> but you said taffy and I said taffy. First thing I'm thinking, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, saltwater taffy. Mm. I'm thinking, okay, all right. This is going to be sweet. Uh. <laughs> Did you see the change in my face? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Miss Suzette, I, why did you do that to me? <laughs> so why, taffy? So gorgeous.
1: Thank you. So she, um, just to give you some put in the context. So I wrote my first my uh, debut novel, my sophomore novel for BET Books back in two thousand two and two thousand three, respectively. I received okay. immediately a contract for books three and four. Unfortunately life got to life as in the economic crash of uh, the depression or not depression, but yeah, it was a contemporary depression. It felt
0: like a depression. Yeah. <laughs> was that 2008? Went, was that around yeah, 2008?
1: Yes, exactly. It start. that's when it really hit. So at that time, my um, publisher at that time decided, well, we can't take that risk. The market's crashing. We're mm-hmm. not buying books. We're going to withdraw, rescind your contract. So I, wow. What? What? Because you're not a household name and you know we can't take that fiscal risk. I went into like <gasps> pity party mode. Oh my gosh, no, I don't. I lost my contract. But again, a blessing in disguise. I do believe that all things do work for, together for our good. Mm-hmm. Blessing in disguise in that my first two books were what was hot and popping at the time. Terry McNillan was busting things open with waiting to exhale. Mm-hmm. I jumped <laughs> on that bandwagon and I decided, well, I'm going to write some feel good friendship books as well. Once that contract was rescinded, Miss Ella, yeah, I had my pity party, but it also sent me to a place of um, incubation. Mm -hmm. And I started asking myself questions like, what kind of writer do you really want to be? Do you want to continue with trends or do you want to write something different? And the answer to self was, I want to write something different. So it put me in a place of uh, solitude by myself, you're going to figure out what kind of writer you want to be. And this little glimmer of this story just kept bugging me. And I had even pitched it to my editor. And she's like, no, you have to stay you know, with your, with your genre. You can't switch yet. You're still building. Stay with your genre. And I could not let this little story go. It just kept bugging me in the back of my mind. So when that contract rescinded, that gave me the opportunity to investigate. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a free agent. I'm not signed on with anybody. I can go and I can investigate. And that's what I did. And I started investigating. I started asking the why questions. And that little glimmer, that story just started to grow and to build and grow and to build. It was totally different. It was not the feel-good friendly. It was deep. It was African-American historical fiction. And it was down, like I said, it goes down to the marrow, the roots, the bones, the blood. And like, what Mm -hmm. is going on here? But I stayed with it. And that's where Taffy came into fruition. And I shopped her. i got an agent. I started, we started reaching out. And the agent was like, oh, no. After she sold the manuscript, she was like, no, no, thank you. So here I am, a free agent again. I'm reaching out to publishers. I'm querying. I'm getting all kinds of rejection letters, left, right, and above. And thank you. We wish you the best. So here I am. What am I going to do? And it's like, Mm -hmm. you can self-publish. So I started learning how to, researching, learning how to self-publish. And even after all of that, Miss Ella, book is edited. It's, you know, ready to roll. I'm still afraid. I don't want to move forward to the point where my husband's like, you know what? Either you're going to push the button, it's going to be you and me. Push the button (laughs) approve. let's get this going. (laughs) (laughs) Because he was sick of me. Exactly. (laughs) He was sick of me. So I went ahead, I pushed the button. Public self-published taffy, and the rest is literally her story, history. You know, she took off and she did what she did, and she opened up to me, and I owe her a debt. And yeah, I speak to her or speak of her as if she is a person, an entity, a being, because she is. She's my big mama. She will always be the one that blew the blank open. She opened it up for me, and I came back to the scene after thirteen-year hiatus with taffy and there was such a warm welcome as if others had been waiting for her as well
0: Uh and
1: just um getting prepared for this podcast put me back there and yeah I can you know technically I'm like oh yeah you need to clean this up you need to clear that up but I can never ever um dismantle her or Debase her because she brought me back, and in such a powerful way that I learned the kind of writer that I want to be. Mm-hmm. Yes, I still write histor- um, Excuse me, contemporary. Yes, I'll write a romance here and there, but I learned who- who- the center of my writer self through Taffy, and that is to write our African American historical fiction.
0: Okay, I'm, look, I'm trying to get my life together here because I'm I'm bubbling up a little bit. Thank you. For sharing that. When I read Taffy, I said, this, I don't know how you perceived it, but I read it and I said, No, she may have have been, you know, the fingers plucking along, but this was this was, you know, conduit work. This was something pouring through you because the story needed, like it needs to be told as many times. As Mm -hmm. possible, so that so many different people can get it and start healing. And the Mm -hmm. fact that you said that through Taffy, you were able to figure out and realize the kind of writer Mm -hmm. you wanted to be and i think as writers we do that like we say okay what's really happening and i i know when i started writing i wasn't like what's happening in black fiction because i was all about i'm not a black writer i'm a writer and mm-hmm. you know you go through that phase where it's like i'm writing i'm sick of everybody saying black writer which means i'm relegated to only black people reading my work so mm-hmm. i went through that whole phase and i have four books in a series that that's you know i self published and the first two books, I was like, I felt Massa right here. Mm-hmm. And Mistress was over here. <laughs> Massa and Mistress. Mm-hmm. And and it was like, I don't know if a white woman would read this and be okay with that. Do you think this is a little too much, <laughs> a little too strong, too raw for the mainstream? I don't know, Ella. And I just, I wrote those first two books with Massa and Mistress right here, kind of that white gaze you know, editing my work. And then as I began to grow as a writer, I was able to pluck them off and accept that, yes, Ella, you are a Black writer. And yes, you are writing for Black women because who else are you writing for? Mm -hmm. You know, if other folks want to pick your books up and read them, yay, great. But your intention is to be a part of the healing process for Black women, nothing else. You know, source did I give you this talent for any other purpose mm-hmm. than to heal that which you are? And mm-hmm. I said, okay, fine. I'm mm-hmm. embracing that, I, I I did what you did. I said, I'm writing the story the way I know it needs to be told, the way I know it will heal the most. And even as I'm finished with that series, I've dug down deeper and I'm starting a new project. And I'm like, oh wait, this is this is it, Ella. This is your pen. Like you have found your authentic pen. Mm-hmm. Now, I can tell you how that feels for me, but I want to
1: know how it feels for you. It's life. It's liberty. It is so refreshing. It's free. And you get to the place you're like, Red Butler, I don't give a, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's like, if you like it, you do. If you don't, there's a, there are other writers for you. But I will do what I do without apology. I will be an unapologetic Black woman writer. And I will write- Girl, say that mind. again. I will be, and I am an unapologetic Black woman writer. I will write my stories, us stories, our stories. I have to write what I know and what I don't know through my own experience. Then I go to my ancestors. They're, most of it was like this. So I can only write what's in me. I'm not going to- uh, I'm not going to write to trends. Mm-hmm. I did that before. I'm not there anymore. Just like you, I've had my catharsis and my evolution. And I'm writing now unapologetically. And I will write however I want to write. There's an audience who wants to read what I am, what you are writing, what I am writing. There's an audience for every writer. This just mm-hmm. the way is but if i'm not being authentic i am simply replicating duplicating regurgitating what someone else i'm just putting different characters different faces no i want to go to a place where the soul and the spirit and the bones and the blood meet i want to go down there in the roots and pull up i yes i come from here but, but i also have to come from here exactly to write authentically now, if I'm just, Taffy. okay, I'm going to write a feel-good book, then that's fine. But when I'm talking stuff like Taffy, oh, no, no, no. That requires mm-hmm. um, some sit down and ancestors come right with me, through me, because I wasn't there. You were. Come talk to me.
0: Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, when I tell you, when I was reading Taffy, even reading My Name is Ona, I'm going to go back and read the rest of your catalog, because like I said, fangirling. Ooh. That's why I said, yeah, conduit. When that happens, I like, I'll go through and, and even with my work, I'll read something and I'm like, who said that? I don't remember writing that. I don't remember any of it. And sometimes I feel like, am I, do I need Black writer therapy? That was another reason I thought I needed to start this, this podcast. Cause I'm like, am I the only one who experiences this? out of body experience. And when I go back and look at my work and I'm like, I don't, Ooh. I couldn't say those words right Ooh. now. If somebody was offering me a million dollars, I could not string those words together like that. And so when you say, yes, I'm starting here, but I flow from here, mm-hmm. do you think that's like a a black person thing, a black woman thing? Because we're so connected, so heavily connected to source.
1: I think absolutely. But I also think it's a open to spirit person thing. You can be of any race, any ethnicity. Um, We are our genuine selves and we're going to open up to the spirits that we believe in or, you know, to the creator and to the the magnificence of the world and the universe that we believe in. And the more accessible we are, the more download that we can receive and that we can get. So, but there, I do believe that we have a special place as Black women writers, as women of color writers, but I, I'm Black, so I'm going to talk to me and talk to you. That's, that's exactly. Cool. So without, again, without apology, it's not about being mm-hmm. exclusionary. This is just who I am. I can't speak what it feels like to be a white woman writer or an Asian woman writer. That, that's not Mm-mm. who I am. So I can only speak about what I am. I believe um, there's a, a book. I encountered in college. It's called Faces at the Bottom of the Well by Dr. Derek Bell. And what he's kind of positing or his premise is, you know, that African Americans, by our experience, are considered, you know, at the bottom of the pole, so to speak. We're at the bottom. Mm-hmm. If black people are at the bottom, then Black women are really at the bottom. Indeed. That can be a detriment or it could be looked at in a negative or it could be looked at as we are the bedrock of mm-hmm. the bedrock. So, yes, I understand it's um, looking at it in socioeconomical terms that, you know, we're underneath, but I choose to look at it as I'm at the bedrock, I'm at the foundation, and that's the place where I choose to pull my stories from, from the roots, from creation, from the origins so that's where I'm going to go to get my stories.
0: That is beautiful, Suzette. That is beautiful. Because I think a lot of times when I hear, you know, like this, this idea that Black women, we have absolutely no um, proximity to the master narrative, to the white male patriarchy. Mm-hmm. We have no proximity to that. Like our men, they have the male thing in common and and white women and other like, you know, women of color, even who aren't like black, African, Afro, whatever, they have that proximity to like whiteness more so than we do. And black women, we have no proximity to any of it at all. And I love that you're like, I'm not looking at it as we're so far removed from that, that we are relegated to something, but no, we are the bedrock, we are the blueprint, we are the original, and that is why we are set apart. At least that's how I'm interpreting the bedrock situation (laughs) that we are set apart because we are the blueprint and the original Mm -hmm. and you get your stories from there. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to pivot real quick because you touch on some stuff in Taffy. And Mm -hmm. and I think the catch, the catchphrase for Miss Suzette D Harrison is unapologetically. You unapologetically touch on so many difficult topics that plague the Black community. And yes, other communities deal with this as well. But as you have said, I'm not in those communities. So I'm speaking to my community. Now, I'm just going to go down the list.
1: Uh, uh, Yes, ma'am.
0: And I just want you to know that after I read Taffy for the third time, because sometimes I have to go back and read stuff over and over because... I'm like, wait, did she give me that breadcrumb to prepare me for this? Oh, you did, you did. I had to throw the candle several times, but you did, you prepared me, thank you. So I'm gonna go down this list and I just want to hear a couple of like, oh yeah, I was blah, blah, blah. I, this needed to be said because, are you ready? Oh, Because you yes, messed man. me up. You messed me up Yes, in ma'am. a good way, a good okay. way, all right. Childhood sexual exploitation. Mothers pimping their daughters out for their own benefit and gain.
1: Ooh, did I intend to go down that route? Yes and no. So Taffy came about, I mentioned earlier, I never knew my paternal grandmother. That was my father's choice. He had enmity and angst with his mother and therefore, me and my sisters, my sisters and I, never got to meet her. Mm-hmm. He was. Let's just okay. It's you and I. My father was the product of my grandmother having an illicit connection with a married man. My grandmother was a teenager, so I'm going to assume that she was the guy taken advantage of. She was a teenager. Mm-hmm. It was my daddy as a result of it. He. This is Mobile, Alabama, 1930 something so, that, right. ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he grew up in you know he grew up in the shame of it and got out of there as soon as he could and would not let us go back he called my grandmother all kind of names that I never should have heard so I reach back I'm like so what if it really wasn't her fault what if I like to ask myself what if stories that's how I'm mean, a question that's how some of my stories come from. Yes, and what if that and that taffy that kept niggling at me way back when i had my first two um that was one of the questions so what if my grandmother was innocent mm. that's how taffy's story without giving spoilers that's how yes. taffy's story came about was what if my grandmother was the innocent party here and it really wasn't her fault it was someone who had power and authority over her as you said that okay okay
0: okay Okay. All right.
1: We'll so that's that. how yeah. So we yeah exactly we let Taffy go on and run with that.
0: You did a great job with it. Seriously. Yeah. It was difficult to read in 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 so many areas and it popped up in several spaces in different ways and forms, but the fact that you addressed it with with sensitivity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You were you didn't it wasn't like oh this young girl is da-da-da-da-da-da-da and it wasn't even this girl's mother is da-da-da-da-da-da it's the circumstance is da-da-da-da-da mm-hmm. and I mean that's how I connected with it it's like yeah the people who that they're not the but the circumstance is really like what do you do okay colorism
1: mm-hmm. It's alive and well. So again, I draw from my own personal experiences. You clearly see mm-hmm. I'm a brown, I'm a brown beauty. My older mm-hmm. sister is very fair. My older sister has lighter eyes, and not just my older sister, but her son looks like he, you know, was born under a shade tree with no sun, you know <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he has light eyes. And, excuse me. So my mother is a she bear when it comes to her children. And you bet not talk about my sister being high yellow, this, that, and the third. My okay. mother all the way there. But the thing is, my sister looks exactly like our father. So my daddy couldn't even disown her if he wanted to. <laughs> we grew up with these vagaries of colorism in our, and listen, we're not talking 1902. I'm talking my life. As a child, my sister being teased by even our family members, you know, you you think you're better because your skin, you know, so like the stupidity of the colorism in our culture, in our community, I experienced Mm -hmm. firsthand living in the home with a sister who is fairer than I am. So I brought that, that brought that to Taffy.
0: Yes. And I'm telling you when you, I mean, it's so it's like prevalent all the way through in so many ways. I remember uh, when I had, now you see me, pretty brown girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. And my husband looks like a smokestack because that's how I like him.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, ma'am. Hello. We have three daughters. Okay. Three daughters. My first daughter was born and she looked like buttermilk. And she mm-hmm. didn't get really darker. really not much darker mm. she's still very fair with hazel eyes which makes sense because my mom's like that mm. but I just remember and my other two daughters they're like you know pecan tan and a little chocolate and mm. so uh as we the girls were growing up and we were going everywhere they people would always ask so you have your kids aren't by the same man number one mm. it ain't your business who fathered my children and number two watch your mouth Watch Mm -hmm. your mouth Mm -hmm. but it was always and even within my family they would try to to pit the girls against each other because you know my oldest daughter is so fair and all this that and the third and 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 I was just like it's not that kind of party in my house they all belong to us they all brown they all got some brown in them it's all gravy just Mm -hmm. like what are Mm -hmm. you doing but I grew up with colorism in the family because I think it's just I don't know that that we understand there's no difference in it all. A little more melanin, that's all. A little less melanin. But I love the way you address that.
1: I was going to say, and number three, you never know what you're going to pick out the gene pool. You don't have control over what DNA is going to surface and take over and decide it wants to live in and through you. No. And that's the thing
0: that I'm like, I look, my own father, blue chip black, my mother is fair skinned. <laughs> With hazel eyes and and she had strawberry blonde hair most of her life. Mm -hmm. And then I pop out, you know, like this. And again, you never know what you're going to get, especially when you're just having Black babies because we come in all the shades Mm -hmm. regardless. But it's just, I don't know. People are strange in that way. And I love how you address the colorism, especially with Lacey and Goldie. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Girl, you got me. When I tell you, you got me. Uh-huh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I was like, oh, oh. Look, you don't have me reading Taffy this weekend myself. <laughs> Look, if you hadn't read it in a while, go back. Go and nice.
0: read it. I was like, girl. And yes. then with the marital infidelity, when I say to you, I threw the candle Fire across the room. I'm so glad mm-hmm. I have a little, little cushiony thing for it. Because when it all came I was like, what the hell? Ag- Uncle, Says Uncle that?
1: Augustine. What? What you doing? When I
0: te- but it's so prevalent. It always happens. Nobody talk about it, though. Mm-hmm. Nobody talk about how so-and-so kid looks just like her husband's mm-hmm. brother. They just mm-hmm. say it's, you know, family gene. <laughs> no, it ain't.
1: No, <laughs> no ma'am.
0: Now, this is one that I really want to to delve into. Sins of the mother. That's what I call it. I'm looking at angel baby. Sins of the mother and how mothers tend to pass them on to their daughters, knowingly and unknowingly. I believe mostly knowingly, and they feel like it's their their right. Now, here, here, if you can't tell, I'm speaking from some personal space. I'm speaking from some personal experience here where this the mother is like well this is what happened to me and I'm okay you can be okay too if this and it's just like why is that a thing
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I love that you say sins of the mother because you know we Patriarchal society in the Bible, sins of the Father. You know, that's all we taught, you know, you know, that's what comes to my mind first is hearing in scripture, the sins of the father passed down to a thousand generations. Mm-hmm. But the sins of the mother, and you're so right. And it's like, and we teach ourselves silence and we teach ourselves secrets or we're taught secrets and we're taught silence and what goes on in this house stays in this house and very Teach you to do this for me. Go on and do this. It's gonna be okay. And we see that with Taffy taking on the sins of her mother and mm-hmm. being to bear that sin in silence, being made to um uprooted your whole life, uprooted you geographically, took you away from what you love, took you away from your spirit core, all the things. And here from you are- who you loved. <laughs> Oh, you love Rome Ellis up here broken hearted because your mother's sins are on you. and Your mother's requiring you. You got to even move geographically. You can't even stay where you were born and where all your people are and your new new is and all your power okay. is. Now here, because of what your mother did and now is asking you to bear it in silence and you're strong and you're young and you can rebound and it's gonna be okay, honey. No. And it was okay. Seven years of living in that was not okay. And Taffy decided, I've had enough. I can't do it anymore. So, you know, unfortunately, things like that happen, happen in our culture. They happen where you have to do something that your mother didn't want to do. Or you have to, yeah. you know, be responsible for your mother, you have to be the caretaker, you have to, yeah. you know, whatever the case may be, you have parents that are, you know, maybe the mother's on drugs, whatever, and now I have to cook, and now I have to clean. Or like in my mother's situation, my grandmother was not on drugs, my grandmother was tired, my mother's had like six, there were six girls growing up together at the same time, my mother's braiding hair my mother's cleaning, my mother's cooking, you know, uh-huh. all of those things. So it's like burden and onus gets placed on the shoulders of the young um, inappropriately and unfairly and unjustly yep. sometimes. Yep. Uh, again, you're young, you can handle it. No, I can't. I'm a child.
0: Exactly. I am a child. At least I would like to be a child for as long as I can
1: be. Right. Why do I have to bear something you don't want to? Because you had the power to shift it onto me. Mm -hmm. I I didn't ask for it. I didn't do this.
0: Exactly. That was so poignant. And the way you you wrote it, you didn't tell me anything as a reader, which is beautiful. And thank you. You allowed me to discover it as everybody else in the book discovered it. all of the other characters learned what really had happened. I learned what, I had not one clue. Uh And and some people may say, oh wait, but then that's like a plot hole. No Heifer, that's good writing. (laughs) That is is when a person, that's when a, a writer is showing you, what is going on? Not telling you. I had no yeah. clue that that was going to happen. And when it was revealed, I, like the rest of Bled So Town, was like, "What? What? How?" The the hell? Hell? And then I'm looking at the mother. Excuse my French, bitch. How could you do that <laughs> to your kid? Ooh. I was so mad. I was so because again. Personal experiences. I'm livid at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Live it because what are you doing? But you again. Mm-hmm. Really, really, Miss Suzette, you are an amazing writer and you tell a story in a way that makes it belong to the reader. Like Taffy mm-hmm. belongs to me. That's that's my story. That's in my heart. That's in my soul. I'm getting emotional. It is just so beautifully written. Thank so you. thank you. Honestly. Yeah. You.
1: I'm on Okay, wait. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I gotta get my life together. It because I think that's that's what writing is supposed to do. I have a few more.
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: And then we're going to see where we're going next. RJ.
1: Oh, my goodness. He was inspired actually by a young lady that I grew up in church with, Miss Darlene. Darlene, I was probably maybe, she might have been six to 10 years older than me. And she was, back there. we would have used a, a word that we can't use today. She was mentally, I don't want to say deficient, but challenged. She had some <laughs> mental issues going on. So she wasn't like fully her age. You know, right, the right. regress repression, and she inspired RJ. And RJ, this innocent person who looks at the world through innocent lenses, who's just in his own little world, he got his little cat, Coco, yeah, you know, his little kitten, and he's happy, and he doesn't know that you know he's mentally deficient or anything of that right. nature. He's enjoying life, but here, that person that others would ridicule, taunt, call names he ends up being Taffy's rescuer. Exactly. A pivotal point in time in her life when she doesn't know she's got to fight for her life. He ends up being a rescuer of sorts for her. Mm-hmm. So again, taking that, that person or entity that might've been despised and rejected mm-hmm. of men, you no know, resurrections tomorrow, and <laughs> him, have this place of, I see you Taffy. I'm here for you Taffy. I won't let this villain hurt you Taffy. You've been kind to me Taffy. You've always been nice to me Taffy. You see me and now I see you in your time of crisis. That is, you just like
0: pluck stuff right out of my head because that's what I said in my notes. I said, the fact that you allow RJ to take up such a beautiful space in this story. I absolutely love RJ. And when I was reading him, one of my favorite uh, novels is Of Mice and Men. And I just kept seeing Lenny. I just kept seeing Lenny with them rabbits, you know? And I was like, and I said, Lord, please don't let what happened to Lenny happen to RJ. Cause I don't want to dislike Miss Suzette cause she cannot <laughs> do to RJ. What Right. Sorry <laughs> back to Liddy. But I just I love how you how you treat that character. Um, because you're right. In our in our culture, people with intellectual disabilities tend to be stigmatized, like, oh, you so-and-so, that word that we don't use anymore. Right. right and right. that's but they just have this innocence about mm-hmm. them and they see the world the way I I wish I was always able to see the world, mm-hmm. you know. I wish I was always able to see the world as someplace beautiful and someplace, you know, full of wonder.
1: Yeah. And I think it's so fascinating too that he does what we would expect Rome to do. You know, we would expect Rome to go in there and handle business like that. Yes. But it's RJ who gets that place and gets that opportunity and takes it.
0: Yes, you gave him the hero. (laughs) Yes. You gave him the hero, man. Exactly.
1: That's right. That's right. It's sweet.
0: I love that. And my last. My last one. No, it's two more The homophobia in the black community and the black church. Mm -hmm. You snuck that in there like a little oil slick. It was (laughs) so I'm serious. I was like, wait, 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 wait. She just slid (laughs) that in there and was like, okay, I'm going to see what somebody did not see if somebody recognized it. You Mm -hmm. just slid it in there with Miss Marva. And I was like, wait,
1: yeah, yeah. And it wasn't intentional. So it's like, I'm gonna let the character be who the character gonna be is. I didn't have an agenda. And yeah. it's not intentional. So it's like, that's who Miss Marva was. She told me who she was, and I'm gonna honor what she told me. I yeah, love it. it. I absolutely love it. Because I was
0: like, Miss Marva, she all right with me. Her, her, <laughs> little, look, her little technician assistant okay. down there. Her Di- girl. Di- is Di- girl. Di- I ain't mad. I'm not mad at any of it, but I love how you kind of slid <laughs> it in there. And she was like uh, that voice of the hypocrisy within the black community, because right. what are you doing?
1: Yeah. What are you in doing? The, right. And as you said, the black church, you know, we get in the blessed, black church. Yeah. The church, we get to see the church there through the Reverend Ellis and, you know, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. all yeah.
0: <laughs> Okay. And this is my last one because it made me so happy. Sexual liberation and autonomy. Here's, here's my little take on it. Make no mistake, Rome Ellis, I laid myself down.
1: <laughs> did she tell him? <laughs> yes, ma'am.
0: Him,
1: yeah. You didn't take nothing. She said, you didn't take a thing. You got it because I gave it. Okay. It was mine to give. And when I was ready, you got it. I love her. I love that part. Okay. It's like, no. That's
0: like my favorite part.
1: You know, this is all me. This is all mine. I held it, treasured it. I kept it. I kept me. And that's funny because that was one of the passages that I've marked in the book. And I love that scene when she and Rome were in the bathroom. Read,
0: read,
1: (laughs) read. Let me find it. Okay. So this is the part. And this is uh, you know, no spoiler. Well, there might be a spoiler. I'll try to skip over the spoiler as much as possible. Okay. So this is Roman Taffy having a struggle after they'd have some loving. So yes. he this is Rome. Let it out, doll baby, cuss, scream, do what you need, but let it go. Taffy wailed until until her throat ached, until her world Words trembled like a breeze. I never did what folks said I did. I promise you I wasn't what they said I was. Shh, baby, I know. Rome comforted his arms wrapped securely about her from behind, her heart sharing her hurt. This town called me all kinda unclean things because of my mother's sins. I wasn't a a ruined whore bearing a bastard. I wasn't a disgrace. I didn't spread my legs for every man wanting a whiff. Rome flinched. Come on, darling, I know this. Taffy shifted in his arms and confronted him. You believe the worst like everyone else. She accused and pushed his chest. Her face was streaked with a sea of tears. Taffy, baby, I only knew what I lived. Her voice quieted gradually as she stroked Rome's jaw. Soothed by contact. The moment I stepped off that train with Angel in my arms and saw my daddy, I made up my mind to tell you. But my mama could falsify to a husband if she wanted, but I wouldn't lie to you. But you avoided me, wouldn't talk and went out west, hating my gut. So I gave in. I did what they wanted and I married Al. Maybe for um, oh, I'm almost a spoiler, I may have to skip this. <laughs> Lord God, Taffy Moan, They knew me. Excuse me, they told me you wouldn't want me. But they knew Rome loved her enough. That's why they put her off on Alfredo to prevent discovery, because Rome wouldn't suffer the lie. I'm gonna stop there because that's too much spoiler, but Girl. And
0: you read beautifully too. Like you you. do your own audio books. That's yeah, I listen to you every day. Oh, thank you. Oh my, yeah. But yeah, I love that. I love that you gave. Taffy, her sexual autonomy. And and it's a kind of a celebratory situation. I think so often when, because I write erotica and not like your your typical erotica, I write it as for my understanding of eroticism, which is the spiritual pleasure of living in the moment Mm -hmm. and having the ability to experience pleasure that would feel like that moment of time, but having that extend into an epic, you know, wow. eon. And so the eroticism in my books normally takes place outside of any physical carnality mm-hmm. until my characters have grown enough spiritually to be able to entwine those mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you had all of these beautiful erotic moments. I don't know that you realize you had all these beautiful erotic <laughs> moments, um, just with Taffy even taking her shoes off and walking barefoot. around uh, the town it's a very erotic moment because the pleasure she received from grounding and her you know just touching the land where her 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 ancestors bled so much Mm -hmm. and I that was such a beautifully erotic moment and you have them all sprinkled in there and so thank you for that Mm -hmm. okay wait a minute my pleasure calm down you You, I mean because I again I read a lot of books and I didn't realize Black women were still writing because mm-hmm. I don't read street fiction. Mm-hmm. And I, and let me, you know, put this caveat out there. There's absolutely nothing wrong with street or urban fiction. Um, it's not my wheelhouse and it's not my experience because I'm just a country girl, you know, and... So I I can't write, I can't resonate with that. Mm-hmm. And in the 90s, we had all of you know Terry McMillan and all the other folk they're out there writing. And then for some reason I just couldn't find any black women writers who wrote the things I loved reading. And I fell into, you know, reading all the other stuff. And then I was like, I'm in this kind of renaissance of rediscovering black women writers. And I am just like filled, overflowing with appreciation for all of you who have continued, even when Black women fiction stopped being trendy. Mm. You know, stopped being the thing to go to after okay. the heyday of the 90s. So I'm I'm rediscovering all, or discovering mm. all of you. And so um, I've become an Insta fan of oh. Suzette D. Harrison, because you tell a story that just, again, says, hey, it belongs to you. I put it out there, but it's your story. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you, thank you. I'm appreciative and that's affirming and um, it's encouraging, you know, because I know that my books are not for everyone and that they're not the popular genre mm-hmm. and it's not the popular audience. And so I still have to, you know, it's like, I wanna write what I was put here on earth to write not what I force myself to write.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> now we have like, like a couple of more things to go through, and one of them is the audacity of Black women writers. Mm-hmm. You've touched on the difficulty of just having to maneuver in the industry, um, with even just the language and mm-hmm. so forth and so on. So right now I'm pivoting because I have you know, very little experience with the industry machine itself. I've self-published everything. I don't have an agent. I am willing myself to finish this project so that I can start the querying process because I would like to go through a more traditional, because mm-hmm. you know, I'm tired, basically I'm tired that I'm tired of doing all of it. It's a lot of work. That's and cool. so so this this part of the of the show is is my therapy. Um, what does it take to to maintain your authentic self,
1: mm-hmm. your
0: authentic voice and pen, and create a successful career in this mm-hmm. industry that insists
1: that white is the default? It's going to take a little bit of, I don't give up, you know, it's going to take a little bit of that you have, it's going to require that, you know, this is me, this is who I am, I am showing up as me, as my genuine self, as my authentic self, and I'm going to write the stories that are in my spirit, my soul, my blood, my bones, my mind, I'm going to do all those things, I'm going to be true and I'm going to be genuine you can write to the trends. You can write to the money. Yeah. I want to make that coin that that's fine. If that's what you do, sisters, mm-hmm. brothers. Um, but you, if you're writing from a place, of, when I leave this earth, I want my work to be done. Yeah. Then you're going to, you might have to write a little differently perhaps. So you're going to have some, um, as you said, audacity, some courage, mm-hmm. some guts, Uh, you're going to have to face some storm, perhaps, some decline, some, sorry, this is not for us, and publisher, you know, letters, and dear Jane, this ain't working for us. You might have to self-publish because there's no publisher for you. You might have to go and find publishers of color. There are Black women out here publishing books now. You might have to find your vehicle that says, yes, this is what we need. This is what we're looking for. This is what we're willing to take a chance on. You um, you have to write true and you have to write for you, you and I, not you as if you're the reader, but you as if you're the, per, the vehicle through which the story flows and you're mm-hmm. de- dedicated and you're determined that, yes, I'm gonna do this work. I'm gonna do what's given to me. When you do one thing, you receive many. You know, you write that That's first story that you're entrusted with. And mm-hmm. I think it also takes some realization that I'm not the engineer. I'm not the engineer, I'm the conduit. As you mm-hmm. said, I'm the pin. My hands are the pins of a ready writer. My brain is open to creativity. My mind, my spirit, my soul is open to the creator and the muse to come and to flow through me. It's gonna take some patience. If you're out there, you you know, if you are going the traditional route, you have to get your, edit, uh, excuse me, your agent, your eight for most publishing houses, then the agent has to shop the book and then you have to get the contract and then you have to be willing to wait 18 to 24 months before your book even gets on the shelf. So it's okay. going to require tenacity, endurance. It's going to require patience. Okay. If you are self-publishing, as you said, Miss Ella, you're going to have, have every hat there is to wear. You gonna wear it. Yes, you're gonna farm out work. You might get a graphic artist to design your cover for you, unless you are a skilled graphic artist. You're gonna get an editor to edit your book for you. It's gonna require financial investment, you know, to mm-hmm. do those kinds of things when you're self-publishing. Then you're gonna to have to share on social media unless you have a virtual assistant who does those things for you. So it's gonna require um, skills. Mm -hmm. Skills you may not even have at the start of your writing journey. It's going to require a thick skin when you do get an editor, when you do get that contract, because you're going to have copy editors, you're going to have proofreading editors, you're going to have all kinds of editors telling you, well, I think we should change this and this needs to be changed. You can't have be so married to that uh, manuscript that you don't have flexibility. It's going to require flexibility. So it's requiring a lot of things to Mm -hmm. post or not to post excuse me but to be able to publish into today's world it's going to require some truth it's going to require time sacrifice you're going to be writing sometimes your family's out at the beach out at walmart out at mom big mama's house eating chicken and and greens and you're sitting at home writing it requires sacrifice and giving up something sometimes it requires hey i get up at five o'clock every morning When I'm deep in the heart of the writing, I'm getting up at four because I want to write when my house is quiet. I like writing when it's dark. I write when my lights off. There's nothing but the light of my computer and some soft jazz or some instrumental ambient music in the background, just me Mm -hmm. and my computer and my muse, and we're doing the doggone thing. So it's going to require some shift, some sacrifice, some dedication. You know, those um, it's not just the tactical things, it's those life changes. That mm-hmm. are all um, that are being necessary. I'm looking at your wall. That's intentional. You put all of these things about literature, and books on your wall. You're intentional. It requires intentionality and immersing yourself in this world. Be clear about what you want. If you're just in it for the coin and I'm right to the trend, then you know what. Go for it. Says, do you boo? That's not where I am and who I am. But be ready to do whatever it requires for you to know your genre. If you're writing romance, we don't want some, you know, gargoyles and vampires running through the, the scenes and stuff, unless that's the type of romance you're writing. Be right. Know your genre, know your audience. It requires that you do research. I'm very, very clear about who my audience is, and I'm very, very clear about why I write. I even have a tagline and a model as to, you know, how I write. I'm still learning it. I haven't memorized it, but I'm very clear about the fact that I write African-American female forward fiction with us as the center to embrace, to celebrate, and to uplift. Be clear mm-hmm. about why you're writing. Write your own model, your own tagline, Your you know, so that you can revisit yourself and make sure you're being mm-hmm. true to what you said you're going to do. So writing requires a lot. Publishing pr- requires a lot. And be ready for the journey. You may get the response you wish for. You may not. You may find an audience that blows up. You may have to work for it. Just be ready for the journey and be clear about why you're doing what you do.
0: Hmm. that is great advice. I mean all of it and and true. all of it is true. Um, I'm only five years into my writing full time and and you know, as a result of my life being blown apart. <laughs> 10 years ago, I, you know, I'm five years in to my, to my writing journey and everything that you just said, 150%, just the way, just the way it is. So knowing all of that, knowing what you have been through, I mean, you had the contract and then you didn't have the contract. Then you had the 13-year hiatus and you had the growth and the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Then you had my girl Taffy. And then it was on and popping. Knowing all of that, would you change any step on your journey?
1: Wow. Wow. That is such a phenomenal question. Would I change any step on my journey? I'm going to say no, only because I've come to a place where I trust that my steps are ordered,
0: mm-hmm.
1: steps are divine, mm-hmm. and that I experience what I experienced because it was heaven intended, creator intended, and it was for my good. Yes. Would, yes. yes, I sure would have loved that 13 year hiatus to have, you know, been narrowed <laughs> quite a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't. And it allowed me to incubate and to marinate and to discover who I was as a black woman writer. So, mm-hmm. no, I wouldn't. Uh, the saints used to say it. I can't say it the way they say it. I wouldn't exchange. I wouldn't change. A day if, I can't remember the saying. It was old saying. But no, I wouldn't change anything. I'm very grateful for where I I am. Would I like more coin and notoriety? Oh, yes, honey. Absolutely. I'm a person. I'm human. But I'm very cognizant, too, that my timing is divine. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. even divine timing. And I also know that I was obedient to what I was supposed to write when I wrote Taffy. And by illustration of that, my, um, I have a picture and I wish I would have brought it downstairs of my great, great grandfather, great, great grandmother, my great grandfather, et cetera, a picture of the whole family, my great greats and their family, which includes my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. So well, I was at one of my cousins, my cousin aunts one day, she hosted a uh, luncheon for cousins, all different, you know, from all over the place. And we were there as good, what, 10, 12 of us having a ball. So my mm-hmm. aunt was telling us about the, the photograph. I'd heard about it all my life, had never seen the photograph. Right. You have a picture of Greg, uh, Papa Tom. That was his name, Papa Tom. Mm-hmm. So my aunt has this huge stack of photo albums. We're looking, Miss Ella, for the picture. We can't find it. We spend a good 10 minutes or more looking for that picture and cannot find the picture she's like oh well just forget it you know when it shows up it shows up kind of thing we're all sitting down talking and I just have this taffy moment Mm -hmm. and I just look and I turn out a look now I told you we just searched through all these photographs these photo albums I look and I just get up and I walk over to the very bottom of the stack and I just pull this photograph up and I said is this what you're looking for And it was the photograph I'd never seen in my whole life. There is my great greats, the whole family, 12 children. And that was a Taffy moment. And I remember sitting down saying, this is a treasure chest that opened because you were obedient to writing Taffy. Yeah, Yeah. Had a phone call with my father once. And he's telling me about his aunt, my great aunt Ida. And when he finished describing her, Ella, you know who I saw and knew who I wrote in Taffy as my Aunt Ida, who I never met, Nunu.
0: Nunu? I knew you were going to say Nunu.
1: It was Nunu. I never met my great Aunt Ida, but when my father finished, I was like, oh, I just wrote her in my book. So these are the treasured For me, treasure chests began to open after I wrote Taffy in A Spirit of Obedience.
0: God, oh, that you said it, that you said it, that your ancestors were coming to you, through you. Tell my story. Tell them who you came from. Because that's what I'm getting from that. Tell the people who you came from.
1: Absolutely. I want to be remembered. Absolutely. And, you know, I came from, my people came from, my Papa Tom that I just mentioned from the Carolinas, South Carolina, moved to Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Then finally we ended up in California. I was, you know, grandmother born in Canada, but we came from all those places. And yeah. so that's all those places that are in my memory or, you know, my DNA that I have yet to tap into. There's more stories there that are yet to be told.
0: Oh, definitely. Because your Southern voice is so beautiful and it's so rich. It's like, we have black dirt where I grew up. And in the summertime, after it rains, it smells like life. Like, I don't know another way to, to explain Mm -hmm. it. It Mm -hmm. smells like life, and it's just dark, rich, black. You don't have to go buy dirt to grow anything in it. You can throw a seed from an apple and literally something is going to grow in that rich, black, dirt and it's always moist it's always warm and it always smells like light that is your southern writing voice it reads like light
1: wow thank you oh my goodness no thank you i'm writing that down it reads like life Mm i love it
0: yeah it does you're just yeah we've got to play this game oh no don't be scared <laughs> don't be scared, Not the don't
1: game. Be scared. <laughs> Look, <laughs> tell the whole story tell The story.
0: okay it's fun i promise it's fun okay. <laughs> so you got the gist of it with the instructions so i'm just going to reiterate them really quickly i'm going to give you a word and you're just going to share a little anecdote and it will either fall under hashtag bookish hashtag writing while black or hashtag writer's life. Okay. Are you ready, Miss Suzanne? Yeah,
1: no, but yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God, I've already highlighted the words. So we're going to go in. Okay. Tell the whole story. First letter S, sexiest.
1: My sexiest hero. That I have ever written is Hands Down Rome Alexander Ellis from Taffy. Hashtag writer's life.
0: Hashtag sexiest red head ever written. Okay. Oh, look at sorry. <laughs> Girl. Yes. I ma'am. say I love me some Rome, hunty? I love me. Somewhere, you know, my character's last name is Ellis too. My
1: (laughs) oh my gosh,
0: is Ellis. He's a darker version, he's a dark version of Rome. Okay, okay,
1: yes, honey. (laughs) That's my book, (laughs) babe,
0: and mine too. I hope you don't mind sharing.
1: (laughs) I don't, the more love, the merrier.
0: Okay, hashtag writer. Was that writer's life?
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: Okay, uh, second word
1: telling Mm, the telling of okay i'm just gonna stay with taffy taffy has a gift of clairvoyance and her Mm -hmm. name is no wing So when you say telling brings knowing to mind for some reason, because knowing is that spirit that tells Taffy how to live, where to go, what's waiting for you, what you need to do. She's that wisdom spirit. So that telling, uh, Mm -hmm. just knowing to mind for me. So that would be hashtag writing while black.
0: Okay. Because that is one of the things I think people don't get about Southern literature that we have so many different ways of knowing Black Southerners ways of knowing ways of being ways of moving that have absolutely nothing to do with the physical space in which we occupy. Yeah. And yeah. I love that new new and uh, and Taffy had that they were they were deep into it. So thank you for Conjure Woman and Hoodoo and the, okay. and the ways of knowing. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Great <laughs> job. If you if you didn't know I was Southern, I bet you know now. <laughs>
1: yeah, all right. You're right.
0: <laughs> Your third word. Oh, ownership.
1: Oh. Ownership. Okay, let me. I'm just going to stay with Taffy because that's where we are. We kind of talked on this earlier the ownership of herself, the ownership of her sexual self, the ownership Mm -hmm. of her body, the ownership of her virginity, you know, the ownership of that precious thing that was precious to her that without apology, she held it and she held it until she was ready to release it and to share it and to give it. And she was bold enough to state, this is what I did. You didn't get it. I gave it, you know. So I love that ownership. And I would yes. say it is hashtag writing while Black also.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. You're doing good. Why were you nervous? I didn't know what you were going to ask me. What <laughs> <laughs> words? Do low key, low key. Okay. <laughs> um, we are fourth word R, reality check.
1: Oh, man. Re- mm, reality check. Okay, let's see a good reality check in taffy again that same scene with Rome, of course um but the reality check for her mother her mother really needed to get checked had to get checked her mother was so out of order and um taffy had to just tell the thing and do you know mama this is the way it is i can't bear your burdens anymore i can't bear your sins anymore And then, you know, her mother goes and has her own little private reality check and, you know, ends up burning (laughs) down the house, you know, as a result of coming face to face with herself and her own past and demons and mother. That was real reality check. But what I love on that reality check, she meant that fire for her own demise. And here come um, the auntie. I can't remember her name. Aunt Vesta. Vesta. Yes. Vesta. Uh-uh, baby. No, nah, you're going to live with what you did. You're going to she live. She was the reality check. Yes. She yes. was
0: the reality check. And I love that you did that. I love yes. that you did that. When she went and set the house on fire and she's losing her mind, here's me yeah. thinking, because what a white woman thing to do. What are you doing? <laughs> this is not how we
1: handle stuff. What are you doing? Okay, you're not going to burn it down like this fire next time, no. Um, Destin said, nope. You coming Ooh, on it? you did it. You, uh, you did it, you're gonna live with it. Come on out. Look,
0: and it seemed seemed like she was doing something nice and, and benevolent. But um, mm-hmm. no, no, you're gonna deal with us. Me and you, we gonna be best friends. <laughs> you slept with my husband and his kid. I couldn't have his kid because of what happened to me. So now mm-hmm. we got a kid.
1: Me and you. Right together, best.
0: Friend. Me and you, best <laughs> I love her. She was not a major character, but then she became this like at the end Uh and watch out and see what's going to happen. Okay. step around and find out. That's what Vesta (laughs) said. Reality (laughs) chick.
1: Hashtag writer's life.
0: (laughs) Yes. And the last word, you did great. If I were giving points, like you get all the points. You. I don't know what you're going to win, but
1: you know, <laughs>
0: time um, with you. I don't know. Look, I can't adore you more than I do. Okay, already. Time with you.
1: That's,
0: That's enough then. Thank you very That's- much. You Your last word. Why yielding?
1: Oh, that is such a beautiful one. I think Taffy really had to yield. She had to yield in so many places and especially to herself. And she, mm-hmm. you know, started off running. I'm running away. I'm going to grab my baby. Mm-hmm out of here we're going up north and she had to yield to love she had to li- yield to her heart no I, I really do want this man this is the man that I've always meant Harry mm-hmm. the man I always meant to be with so she had to yield she even had to you know yield to knowing and apologize for not listening for not heeding, mm-hmm. hearing for not obeying so you know she yielded to um, yielded in that aspect as well and yielded Making mm-hmm. peace was a gift in some regards. You know, I have to make peace with this. No one told me and I wasn't listening. So that um, I think there was like a sweet surrender for her um, as another word for yielding, a sweet surrender mm-hmm. for Taffy that she had to encounter and undergo. And I'll call that hashtag writing while black.
0: All right. Have you fallen in love with Paffy again throughout this conversation?
1: That's what I was saying earlier that just knowing that we were going to come on here and discuss it made me go back to Taffy and I pulled you know pulled her up physically and I pulled her up on my computer I've always been in love with her, and I always will be in love with her because of mm-hmm. what she did for me as a woman as a black woman, as a black woman writer. But yes, I get to fall in love with her again. And I'm even, you know, going to go back and maybe doctor up some things a little bit. And that's a privilege of being a self-published author. If I find that, I can go back and fix it. If I find, oh no, you mentioned her name too much. Use she as a pronoun. I can go back and fix it. Right, right. So I'm still in love with her and I always will be. She'll always be, in a sense, my muse. Part of her mm-hmm. will always be a muse for me. She'll always be an inspiration for me. So I thank you for the opportunity to go back and touch her again.
0: Oh gosh, you are welcome, and thank you for just—I don't know—putting her out there. It's beautiful. You are beautiful, and not just you in your physical space, but you, mm-hmm. you that resides within the physical, just absolutely beautiful and and iridescent even. So Mm -hmm. I thank you so much for spending this morning with me and sharing so much of yourself, inspiring the whole nine yards. And I hope that this is not the last time that Mm -hmm. you and I are speaking and connecting in any way that we can.
1: No, absolutely not. By no means. It's like when you meet a fellow spirit, you stay connected. You know, you meet the fellow spirit. And I've been interviewed by several different people in different situations. This one is like, I went home. I got to go home with you. I got to go home with you and be there, you know, in my Southern roots with you. And that is like priceless. Because like you said, you know, you grew up in. it's like, you start getting ashamed of the South and all that. But it's like, we who left, you saw the 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 migration of us coming back. You see Atlanta just mm-hmm. blew up the new Black yep. Met. People coming back to the South, wanting to go back to the roots and go back to the origins. Mm-hmm. So this is not that everybody started in the South, you know, but by by and large we had to come through, as you said, the Carolinas or come through those ports originally somehow. Mm-hmm before we started migrating west and you know other places so it's a delight to come back so thank you because you are a hostess for me you (laughs) not just a hostess here literally but you get to hold I get to come home today with to sit here with you I get to go home
0: and if you ever want to come home and you're in South Carolina really I am here (laughs) my door is open and it, look, even if you're in North Carolina and you go to see your baby and you want yeah. to meet, it's yeah. an hour and a half up the road.
1: Hey, hey, <laughs> it's we can do an hour and
0: a half up the
1: road. <laughs> we can do this. Yes, ma'am. And thank you.
0: No problem. No problem. So is there anything you want the listeners to know, like what you're working on next, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Anything? Yes. Well, my website is SDHBooks, Suzette DH. So SDHBooks.com. I love connecting with readers. Always say that and always mean that. That's like one of the rich and rewarding parts Mm -hmm. of being an author. One of the most rewarding parts is being able to sit with readers and let's have dialogue and let's talk about literature. Talk about this book. I always walk away. Oh, I didn't know I meant that. Or oh, I got new enlightenment myself. <laughs> I wrote the book, and they're giving me enlightenment. Exactly. It's <laughs> Such a rewarding opportunity. So even on my website, there's a, a section called Book Club Love, where book clubs can go and, and you know, <laughs> indicate interest and in me coming and sharing with them virtually, sharing time with them virtually. Mm-hmm. So I love that. So you know, by all means, my books are available there. My books are available on Amazon and. Uh, Barnes and Noble, et cetera, every place that you would normally look for a book, you can find my book there. Um, of course, you know, readers' um, reviews are pivotal in that. You know, I could say all day long, I be- bake the best bread ever, but you say oh, you know, this girl can bake some bread then others want to come and eat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the reader's review is, you know, it's very important. So I always appreciate that when a reader will take time, that's the way you can give back to an author is taking time mm-hmm. to, re- you know, review a book and share so that others may want to come and read it. Um, but the thing that I would want to say, you know, um, not in closing, but just in wrapping up is that I am honored to be a woman writer. I'm honored to share this time with you. And it's such a privilege and it's such a, you know, it really is an honor and a privilege. And I'm appreciative of these spaces where we can be free and open and Mm -hmm. sharing without apology and without fear of um, censorship. Um, where right. I can be my authentic Black woman writer self, I can come on here with my wild afro this morning without a care. You know, knowing that I'm in a safe place and that I'm with my sister. So I yes. appreciate <laughs> you, Miss Ella, for having me. I appreciate you for opening up and sharing your. Platform with me because you didn't have to, and I'm so appreciative that we connected and that now we will stay connected. You know, in support. Of each other.
0: Thank you for joining me for this session of Black Writer Therapy. Be sure to follow and leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and keep the conversations going on Instagram using our hashtag #BlackWriterTherapy. I'm your host and unlicensed therapist, Ella reminding you to be kindest to yourself first, always, and in all ways. See you guys next week. Bye.